0: Bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacy. Living word with Pastor Mensah Oteng, and now today's word. Today I'm doing part three of my teaching on God, which is our theme for the year. And uh, in part one, we talked about God as the eternal. In part two, we said God is omnipotent and he's the creator. And in part three, we are going to look at God as spirit. God is spirit. One of the things you have to learn as you read Genesis chapter one is that God is revealing himself to us. God is revealing himself. It is God's self-revelation. And so... Everything we read is God showing us step by step who he is, what kind of person he is, his nature, uh, and, and all of that. So we learn that God is eternal. We learn that God is the creator and he creates without any help. He is omnipotent. No one helps him to create. But who is God? We know that the heavens are material, we know that the earth is material, you can see it, you can touch it, but who is this God who is eternal and this God who is uh, omnipotent and a creator? And that's what uh, verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1 tells us about God. So we read in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1, the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There are many ways to take this verse, but I just want to focus on uh, the Spirit of God part. And the word I want us to look at is the word spirit. And I've spoken about this word uh, several times, especially when I was teaching on life in the spirit. And the Hebrew word there is ruach, ruach, and uh, ruach uh, has several connotations like breath, wind, strength. The word spirit is very difficult to define. How do you define spirit? So as you read the Bible, uh, both in the Greek and in the Hebrew, uh, The the word that is used for spirit has different connotations. Many times it says air, uh, and sometimes it means wind, uh, it means strength, it means a force. Generally, spirit is something that is not physical. So I'm going to try, I'm going to attempt to define it in a, in a way that makes sense to all of us. <clears throat> so the first thing I say about spirit is that it is immaterial. Spirit is immaterial. What does that mean? It means it does not have physical properties. And that's why it's difficult to describe, because everything we know has physical properties. Even the air has physical properties. It, it, it has it An atomic base. It has neutrons and and protons, and then there's an atomic base. So although we don't see it, it is material. The air is material. The wind is material. We don't see it. It's material. But when we say something is spirit, it means it has no material. That means it has no physical property. You, You can't touch it. It is there, but it is not physical. Everything in the universe has material properties. So the sun has material property. The moon is material. Uh, uh, the stars are material. You are material. Auditorium is material. We can see it. But when we say something is spirit, it has nothing of these properties. So how do you define it? Because there is no language in the universe to describe spirit because it doesn't occur in the universe it occurs somewhere outside of the universe and i explained a little bit so first it is immaterial it has no physical property second something that is spirit is invisible invisible you can't see it you can't see it so how do you describe something that is not material and that is not also seen how do you describe it what what kind of Qualification can you give it? So the best is to say, it's like air. That's why sometimes people say, God is air. When you want to talk to God, speak into the air. Uh, or, onam moon. Uh, because air is the closest element we can use to describe spirit. But air has material properties. It has hydrogen in it, it has oxygen in it, it has carbon dioxide in it, it has nitrogen in it, and all of these are atomic. But spirit has no atoms. So although we use air to describe spirit, uh, spirit, spirit is not air, because spirit is immaterial and it is invisible. So what does Genesis chapter 1 tell us about God? Let's read it again. It says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What does that tell us about God? It tells us very simply that God is spirit. This God who created the universe. He is spirit. He is spirit. He's not made of the same material as the universe is made of. He's not made of the same material as the earth is made of. God is spirit. Ruach Elohim. God is spirit. But in the passage, Uh, God is spirit is described as the spirit of God. So this is what I say. The spirit of God is God. The spirit of God is not different from God. It's not like God is one person and then he has a spirit uh, that he sent into the world. The spirit of God is God. God is spirit. The spirit of God is God. So right there in Genesis, we are told that God is a spirit. The creator is a spirit. God is a spirit. Because God is a spirit, it's very difficult to discern him. There is no laboratory, the most sophisticated laboratory in the world, cannot discover God because a laboratory can only discover something that has atoms. But since God is a spirit and spirits have no atom, no laboratory can find a spirit. No microscope can find a spirit. No telescope can find a spirit. No scientific discovery can ever locate a spirit because a spirit is made out of a material That is not atomic. And there's no way a science can discover a spirit. It's the same like the spirit in you. There's no scientific way to discover the spirit in you because the spirit in you is also not atomic. So people say, well, how do we find spirit? People die and then they say the spirit is gone. Uh, how do you find a spirit? Well, the spirit is made up of as an essence that is not atomic, it's not material. It's like uh, the story is told of a, a people in, a, in an island who didn't understand modern life and civilization. And one day, uh, a radio washed ashore to their. Uh, island. So they pick the radio, they tingle with it, and all of a sudden they hear voices in the radio. So they feel that there are voices in the radio. And, and they hear women talking, they hear men talking, and they hear guitar playing, they hear sound. So they decided, if these sounds are all in the radio, then when we open up the radio, we should see a woman there, we should see a man there, we should see uh, a guitar there. So, so very, very scientifically, they opened the radio and realized that there was no voice there because that voice is not a property of the radio. The radio is able to receive it, but it is not part of the radio. In the same way, the spirit in you is not Part of your physical being. So they can cut you, dissect you into all pieces. Scientists, psychologists can do all they can. They will never discover spirit because spirit has no material base and spirit is invincible. Are you getting me? And the original spirit is God. He's not the only spirit. But he's the original spirit. Because later on he also gave us spirit. And angels are spirits. Unfortunately, the bad boy is also spirit. We'll deal with him later. <laughs> so if you tell me, so you say there's God. How can we find God? We've gone to the moon, there's no God. We've, we, how, how, what, what? You, have no, you cannot invent a human instrument of any form to discover God because every human instrument is atomic based. And spirit is non-atomic. It's not material and it is invisible. But that is not the rest of the story. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 tells us that although God is spirit, and he is not material and he is invisible, he is real and active. He is real and active. The passage says the spirit of God was hovering The Spirit of God is real. Although he's invisible, he does not have a physical material property. He is real. He's not an imagination. He's not something we make up to comfort ourselves. The Spirit of God is real. So there is a reality that is not based on the material world. There is another reality, is the spirit reality. The spirit of God is real, but not that's not the only thing the passage teaches us about the spirit of God. It also teaches us that the spirit of God can be sensed and felt. He is not material, but he can be sensed, his presence can be sensed. You can know when he's in a place and you can feel it, but you can't dissect it. How does the passage tell us that? It says that the spirit was God, of God was hovering over the waters. Hovering. The Hebrew word merakafet. Hovering. It It's, sim- it's like a uh gives the impression of like a bird fluttering its wings on water it's like a helicopter moving on water when the, when that is happening the water will feel the presence and be disturbed so that's the impression that uh genesis 1 2 tells us the God's spirit when the spirit of god moves in a place although you can't see it him and although you cannot physically feel his presence, you will still have a sense that he's there. You have a sense that God is there. Now, many times when people say, you know, I feel the spirit of God. In a real sense, when people say that, there will be something that gives them that sense. Sometimes in a, in a service, At the point, you just sense God. You sense his presence. For some people, they will cry. They will shed a tear. For some people, they will feel goosebumps. For some people, they will feel like trembling. For some people, they will fall down. All of these physical manifestations are telling you that something you felt which you couldn't see in the spirit realm has had an impact on you. Just like in the, in Genesis, the Spirit of God had an impact upon the waters. He moved upon the waters. He, he affected the waters. He affected the earth. So the Spirit of God is immaterial, invisible, but he's real, he's active, and you can feel his presence. And God has designed human beings. I'm rushing now. I should. This is part something later, but let me bring it here. God has designed human beings with the capacity to sense his presence. Now, you can sense his presence and deny it. You can sense his presence and says, I think it's just me. You can just sense his presence and says, I feel it's something, something. Whether you call it something, something, or something, nothing, the Spirit of God is real, He's active, and He witnesses to you all the time when He is present in your life. And there are times you go to a place where people are conscious of the presence of God, sometimes in worship, in praise, and you will know that although I can't see it, and although I can't physically feel it, Something is happening to me, and that something happening to you is the Spirit of God, the creator of the universe, telling you, I am here, and I'm working. So the Spirit of God is real and active. The Spirit of God can be sensed or felt. He's a real person. Later on, when we go further in the Bible, the Spirit of God is distinguished from other spirits. Because at this point, this is the only spirit. But by the time human beings are created, they also have spirit. So the Spirit of God has to be distinguished from the human spirit and also from other spirits, uh, the devil and his gang. So the Spirit of God was later called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Why is he called the Holy Spirit? Because he's not the only spirit that are other spirits, but he's unique. And so we call him Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And later we'll get to know uh, other things about God. But that's what I want to get you to understand. When we say something is spirit, you cannot materially dissect it. The other time I was listening to somebody says, you know, when a person dies, he's dead. He's dead. Because you, they say the spirit. When does the spirit come? When does the spirit leave? When is, I say, how are you going to find out? How are you going to find out? It's like if if you were among dogs, if we, you you were the only human being among dogs, the dogs will hear a sound you don't hear. Because dogs hear sound at a level that you, the human hear cannot hear. So the, somebody will blow a dog with and they will all peck their ears and be looking somewhere and you say, what's happening? Nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. They are hearing something. You are not hearing it. And the fact that you are not hearing it does not mean it's not occurring. Are you getting me? That's even in the natural world. In the natural world, there are colors we cannot see. We cannot see ultraviolet. We cannot see ultra red sound, uh, light. But other beings can see them. The fact that you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. If you go into the sun and you expose yourself too much to ultraviolet rays, the effect will manifest in your body. And you get all kinds of... Uh, Things happen to your body because although you don't see it, it is real. Of course, science later is able to discover all of this because they are all atomic based. But God is a spirit. Whether you respond to him or not, he is spirit. Now, what I want you to notice in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 2, is, is the condition under which the Holy Spirit is moving or the Spirit of God is moving. It's very, very instructive. It says the earth is without form and void and dark. All these are negative descriptions. They are negative. They are not positive. Something is void is not good. Something is, is, is uh, 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 dark is not good. Something is, the waters there are a symbol of Chaos. Something is chaotic, it's not good. But the Spirit of God is moving. And the Bible is giving us a clear picture of who God is. And how he works in our lives. And where we can feel him. So, two implications I want to talk about. And then we partake of communion about the Spirit of God. The first is that the Spirit of God rules over all conditions of chaos. No matter how dark or chaotic life can be, the Spirit of God rules over it. Darkness cannot hide the presence of God. Darkness cannot stop the presence of God. Chaos cannot stop the presence and the working of God. Because, you know, many times we, we, we think the Spirit of God is only present when things are perfect in order. But Genesis 1-2 tells us that things can be extremely chaotic in your life, but the presence of God, the Spirit of God is still there. And one of the things we have to learn as Christians is how to sense the presence of God in the midst of chaos. When everything around us is wrong, for us to know the Spirit of God is hovering, the Spirit of God is still moving, God has not left me, and God is still at work. Because if we equate the presence of God only to peaceful environments, we only have a half picture of the presence of God. The presence of God is with you when there is peace. When things are settled, the presence of God is there. But when things are chaotic and you can't find your way, and you can't see your way through, the Spirit of God is still present. And no matter the chaos in your life, the chaos cannot bury the presence of God. The chaos cannot hide the presence of God. The Spirit of God is moving over your life. I believe there is somebody sitting here today, this past week has been the most chaotic week of your life. And you probably think, God has left me. But had God left the earth in Genesis 1-2? No. He's there. There is chaos. There is darkness. And he's there. And interestingly, his presence does not necessarily change the circumstance. Because somehow we think that if God is here, everything must change. God is there, nothing has changed. It's still chaotic, it's still dark, it's still formless and void. Is God there? Yes. So sometimes God can be in your life and God can be present in your situation and the situation may not change. May not change. I'm not saying will not change. I say may not change. And in the period when the situation is not changing, never conclude that God is absent. Never conclude. Second implication. The spirit of God prepares me for the word of God. The spirit of God prepares me for the word of God now if you know the account of Genesis and this is what I'm going to preach on uh, next week in the beginning God created who is this God he's a spirit but verse 3 will later tell us that as the Spirit of God moved something else happened God spoke So, the Spirit of God is a precursor to the Word of God. When you sense the Spirit of God moving in your life, don't just roll on the floor, roll on the floor and get up and go. You know, like people go to a service, hands are laid on them, they cry, 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 and and then they put, uh, you know, The ushers who put cloth on them, and then they they go and sit down. I say, yeah, yeah, something has moved, but what did you hear? Because this spirit of God in verse 2 is going to lead to verse 3, where God is going to release a word, and it is by the release of the word that transformation begins. So when you are in a service and the Spirit of God is moving and you fall down, and you roll, you're throwing your leg, throwing your leg, you must hear something. <laughs> because if God's word is not implanted in you, that experience of the Holy Spirit may still leave you in a chaotic state. Although you have fully experienced the Holy Spirit. Because it is just the beginning of the process. You must get the next process in order for things to start manifesting and change occurring in your life. The spirit of God moves. We feel his presence. We sense his presence. But that's not the end. The spirit of God prepares me for the word of God. That's why, you know, I, I have great concern when people just talk about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. And sometimes I go to meetings and, and people are rolling all over the floor and people are jumping and, you know, I don't know about you, but when you pray for me, I don't want to fall. <laughs> why should I fall? I have to. I have, I'm going to live my life. I have to. I have, something good must happen to me. I have sensed the Holy Spirit. Why should I fall? And what do I get from it? Yeah, you scream. Oh, I feel the fire. I Yeah, 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 yeah. You felt something. Yeah, 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 yeah. You felt something. And then. Because next week, we're going to learn. After this, hovering over the waters, hovering over the waters. Then God said. Now all of you, some of you are just under the hovering. But no hearing of the word. No hearing of the word. You rode up and down. You rode up and down. The ushers covered you nicely. And then... I don't know about you, but (laughs) I like the anointing that makes you stand. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I like the anointing that makes you stand. I mean, if if you fall, fine. But I like the one that makes me stand. Because I read in my New Testament that when Jesus Christ was baptized, he rose up. He didn't fall, and the Spirit of God was upon him. (laughs) That's the one I like. I want the anointing that makes me stand and hear clearly the voice. This is my beloved son. Because if you have an experience with the Spirit of God, have no encounter with the Word of God, there will be no transformation in your life. Are you following me? Genesis chapter 1 is progressively teaching us about God, who he is and how to deal with him. He will let his spirit work on you, but that will not be the end. I've already preached part four, part of part four next week. So I have to, I have to look for more things to say next week because I've preached much of next week already. But that is what it means. You have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. But that encounter must lead us to another encounter, which we'll find out next week about how to encounter the Word of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otterville, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otterville. Email Otterville at centralgospel.com or call. Plus two three 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 zero two six eight eight zero zero zero.